0: what about the music and the insightful investigative reporting
1: um oh the gossip yeah that'll still be there
0: oh thank my rainbows great
1: let's get started hand me a glue stick and the glitter
0: welcome to closets are for clothes
1: Well, hello, 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 hello!
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, I can hear completely now. Well, can great. You-
1: um, yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, you know what? Ish. The sun is out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, was before I got into this room. I think it still was what I was when I was out there. It was so. brilliant. Absolutely, I know, everything
1: was melting. So anyway,
0: so like a big event happened last time we talked. I know. <laughs> um and. Christian
1: did win so he did fine. absolutely yes um,
0: we're talking about Project Runway if anybody is uh wasn't tuned in last uh last show that's right,
1: so project runway happened, Christian won it was almost guaranteed you know yes so. absolutely there absolutely
0: and i and I did actually like Christian through the whole thing, you know, and even the um <laughs> even the um, uh his introduction uh-huh. and, yeah. and Full um, of energy, it was great. Absolutely, whatever. But didn't you predict that uh, Julian was going to be number two? Julian, yeah. Julian, okay. Sorry, did I say Julian? Sorry, Julian. Um, did uh, and that I was a little surprised. Yeah, I was like, <sighs> that's she did, too bad. You know, I mean, and also uh, Rami didn't have as much of the uh, clothing or, or the fl- the um, flowing of the
1: the uh, the draping.
0: Right. Exactly. Right. The
1: draping wasn't there. So, so yeah. So. Um, Well, great. So anyway, so any other big news?
0: Any other big news? Elliot Spitzer. Elliot, Client number nine. Exactly. Good thing they didn't get number 10 because we would have been in really big trouble here. I know.
1: (laughs) So I'm trying, I was racking my brain all day and how can I make a Halloween costume
0: out of client number nine? (laughs) And I just couldn't think of anything. I'm not sure what to do. Yes.
1: but um, well, they're know. selling
0: T-shirts now. You know, no. oh, absolutely, they're already selling T-shirts talking about how um, uh, it's it's good to be governor, client number nine. Uh-huh. Or, um, yeah, they're doing various. Uh, so it's it's, it's becomes very interesting uh, of all the different. Uh, and that, and with Kwame and oh. the City of Detroit. Did you listen to that? Did you? I, 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 meant to. To be honest with you, I, d- I meant to, and then I just happened to turn on the TV last night at eleven o'clock. and mm-hmm. get the eleven o'clock news, and I went, "Oh, that's right," and realized I had not taped it.
1: It was interesting um, because um, he used the N word at the end.
0: Of the... He actually used the N word, or did he actually just say N word? No, he actually used it, mm-hmm. and did it go? Do it? Did they broadcast it?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Oh wow! So uh-huh. it was no delay or editing. No. Oh my goodness! And
1: there was an audible gasp.
0: Wow! And
1: I heard like the city council wouldn't even sit on the stage with him. Yes, right. Drama, distraction, people—it's a distraction. Detroit has other things to worry about. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So it's just, uh, but at the same time, I have to admit, and I know this, I'll be really quick about this, Mm -hmm. but I also still feel powerless about it. As much as Detroit influences southeastern Michigan, and I feel that what's happening in Detroit definitely affects what's going on in my life Mm -hmm. outside of the, uh, you know, outside of Detroit, the the concern I have is yet there's still nothing I can do about it. Right. There's still nothing that I can, I can't vote them in office, I can't vote them out of office, I can't. You know, I can't right. influence the vote, right. um, and so I really, and so it's hard for me to get involved as where I can get involved with, you know, uh, Brock or Hillary, or I can get involved with McCain or Brock or Hillary, or right. you know, so.
1: Well, yeah, so so you know, we were talking. I was talking with some friends and colleagues the other day about how Puritan, like, you know, Americans think about U.S. politics. Yes, like Jacques Chirac. Like yes. had a
0: mistress on the side. Yeah, it took him. Took her to events. I mean, yes. I
1: mean, okay. So maybe I don't know if I am. am I a, Well, no.
0: and the, one of the things that I find that's hysterical, I've been listening to some uh, podcasting and some of the Europeans saying of how you know there was a reason why we asked you all to leave. <laughs> you know, there was a reason we got you guys out of the way. Nice. So, but um, really,
1: it is it's just ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. It's like. um and you know cuz i think that um spitzer could could stay in office mm-hmm. if, if his credibility just wasn't shot right right you know like at least clinton we knew was sort of
0: a yes. sleazeball. ball well but i think but but didn't spitzer <laughs> he used some of the funding from i mean didn't he use political funding or yeah i don't know yeah. so there really... was some um, right um
1: and so so i don't know so yeah. hypocritical anyway so
0: Anyway, so yes, a lot has happened this week. Holy moly. And I think we, we were the first one to um, announce Patrick Swayze's... Um uh, pancreatic cancer. Really? Yes, because I didn't hear about that until like later. So people stay tuned dun, dun, dun. This to Justin. Yes.
1: This Justin, <laughs> Justin Timberlake dating Gabe Javier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> More yeah. in five minutes. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I wish. Oh. Justin, if you're listening, call me. Man. So um, <laughs> the other thing about the Spitzer thing is um, NPR had this really interesting slideshow oh. on, on NPR.org org, and it talked about... Um, I was going to say,
0: that's pretty hard to do over the radio. I know. Yeah. So,
1: um supportive wives oh, so like the yes. wives that are standing next to the political mm-hmm. husbands as the political husband says says like i'm cheating on my wife who's right here
0: yeah <laughs> like that's awkward you and, know and i would like to see the, the different expressions were, were all of them smiling right were all of them well you know, frowning? You
1: know so s- some of the ones that i thought were really interesting were um were like well, uh, Hillary clearly, uh-huh. and also um, Jersey governors.
0: Um, oh yeah, um, wife. W- yeah, uh-huh. because not
1: only <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheating on you. And I'm gay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, but how many, like, well, who was the other person that, um, oh, and someone said, like, um, Barney Frank, you know, did his husband stand <laughs> next to him <laughs> when he even talked about Awkward. Yeah, absolutely. So. so it was really
1: interesting. And then they showed um, Nixon and his wife, and they showed, yeah.
0: um, so. Wait a minute, Nixon. Oh, as he announced, I was just saying, I didn't think he had an affair. No, 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 was, no, as he announced. He right. right, right. His it was just, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Interesting. Oh, so this was slideshows of political figures. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. as they dealt with various scandals. Interest? I'm going to have to tune in. Oh, my god. Yeah,
1: and um, yeah, it was just very funny to me. Because uh, uh, <laughs> I don't have to tell my wife that I'm...
0: <laughs> yes. Anything. Absolutely.
1: So so yeah. So your week? How is it?
0: Uh, good. Um, nothing you know exciting to report. It's been kind of a, you know, getting ready for spring, kind of having that you know s- so conserve the, the energy so that once spring hits, I'm ready to jump and pounce and mm-hmm. and whatever else people do in spring, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And getting ready, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> I just want
1: to uh, remind people that there is a, a lobby day coming up, right?
0: There is, mm-hmm. I believe it is at the twenty sixth, right? And um, and what is so important about the the lobby day?
1: So this lobby day is uh, Cisco Lobby Day once again, uh-huh. March twenty sixth, right? Yes, um, in um, beautiful Lansing, Michigan. Woo-hoo! Well, and so the big thing is is that Matt Safe School Law, which is anti-bullying law, is going through the Senate now. It's passed the House, and it's brilliant.
0: Um, so oh. if we get it
1: passed the Senate,
0: wow! Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it had passed the House already. Oh wow! So see, news is happening, and I don't even know about That's it. True. Holy moly. So are they close in the Senate or are they?
1: um, Do we know
0: how? Oh, okay. So that's why we're having the lobby day. So we could be able to. Now, what if you can't make it to Lansing? Like what if you're working or have school or a big test? You know, it's HB
1: 4162 and that's the House bill and Senate Bill 107. So look it up. Go to tri.org and learn more about it.
0: Perfect. Wow. And that's what, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the different things, especially with the 15-year-old that was murdered, um, I think that this is, um, I mean, Ellen put it really quite uh, Mm -hmm. um, profoundly. It's got to change. Well, not only it's changed, but what are we teaching if it's, if a a 15-year-old or 14-year-old feels it's appropriate to murder a 15-year-old because of being asked to be their valentine? You
1: know, in 2008, the average is out to, there's been one LGBT murder every eight days.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: And all of them, all the ones that have been reported that that you know haven't been been getting national attention,-huh like that, they've been
0: people of color. No way. way. See, now that, so, but yet, if there was a crime done by a person of color, uh-huh. oh, we would hear about that. Right. Sorry, that's just my latest issue on the um, latest news that I've been watching. Right.
1: And, and so, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to this. There's this uh, amazing organization called Fight Out Loud, and it's fightoutloud.org. Um, and they have um, information on, on how to act, you know, because. Um, what do you mean, by how to act? How to act, who to talk to, how Got to spread it. the word, tell our Take allies. Take action. Absolutely. Got it. Absolutely. Exactly. So, 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 yeah. So, Perhaps
0: speaking a- of action. Absolutely.
1: Uh, well, we're going to <laughs>
0: so we're going to our next guest. <laughs> Fabulous! All right, I was like, oh, that wasn't great. a
1: good segue. Let me yeah. let me remind you. So I was thinking, I was watching the History Channel. The other you day. were absolutely <laughs> speaking of. Uh, I was, and they were talking about weapons. Uh, <laughs> but we we're not going to talk about weapons. No, we were
0: going to talk about peace and love, and and um, all those different those wonderful things of that happened in Ann Arbor and Detroit. And um, and a good way to segue though is that this was one of my favorite sessions at the Creating Change. Conference Conference mm-hmm. and um, I met him uh, at the at the Creating Change conference and he um, was talking about LGBT history in mm-hmm. Detroit mm-hmm. and I found it fascinating because it was like you know what was it like before I was here? Yes, there was history before I was here. Oh. I know many people who are listening are like, really, Dan? There's a, there's a history before you? But yes, um, there was things that happened and yes, I'm going to go back to the 40s or excuse me, the 50s. And, well, that's um, true. I
1: think that Detroit and Southeast Michigan has a rich queer history that we just you know is not picked up on because of San Francisco and New York is so spotlighted yes. um, so you know talking about gay liberation and Mattachine and Absolutely. you know and so our, our guest today
0: is uh, Tim Tim Retzloff uh, He is a PhD, st- PhD student uh, from Yale University welcome to Closets are for Clothes thank
2: you for having me it's an honor to be on this program
0: yes and the, and he has actually been on WCBM before he was on Radio Q during 1996's election Age, ages ago yes yeah. and yes and I believe I believe was it david meitzler yes. and um uh and steve um or just david meitzler that was on radio I q at that time david. got it and uh so he um and so we had david on last week in fact and oh, he cool. yes he was co-hosting with us so it was very ironic that um uh he was helping us out last week so welcome to closets Up for clothes welcome back to wcbn so, so what was it like? I mean, we hear that actually, you know, gay history started in 1969 and Stonewall that it just, you know, the spark that took over and, but it actually, there was things going on in the fifties and things.
2: Well, absolutely. There were things going on. Um, and the stereotype, which is partly true, um, right. is that there was a lot of repression, Um, that there was a lot of, um, police crackdowns, that there were roundups, um, and people lived, um, quiet, (laughs) clandestine, closeted lives, but there was also resistance going on. Um, and that is a part of the story that often gets, um, forgotten and erased, um, because the people who fought at Stonewall were inspired by someone and there were older queens that they knew, Mm -hmm. um. Yes. So,
0: who actually got started? I mean, I think that's one of the things that I we forget is that Stonewall wasn't one of those isolated like one time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was things. It was, there and was, nor
2: was it the first. No, right? Exactly. Right. right.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And in
2: fact, um, there was one incident in Detroit, um, and what I've been working on lately has to do with um, arrests of men, some who who may have identified as as gay, and many who perhaps didn't, uh-huh. but. Sought out queer oh, encounters right. um, mm-hmm. in the queer spaces of the city, um, and there was one particular incident um, in 1957 where there was a, a routine sweep of Farmer Street in Detroit, which is a street where there were that was where the cluster of of working class white gay bars were oh. um, bars like the Silver Dollar and the Ten Eleven. And La Rosa's, and and the police generally would not arrest people inside the bar, but mm-hmm. would would maybe meet them in the bar and then you know arrange a meeting outside. So, or, it was baiting? So exactly, gay baiting. Yeah, no, wow. absolutely. Oh, um, and there was this one instance where they were rounding people up. It's two thirty in the morning, and you know people have been out on a Saturday night, having a good time, and the, the this one individual is. You know, looking to meet somebody, and notice that people were being arrested, and and actually walked up to an undercover cop and started chatting. It's like you know, it looks like there's a lot of activity going on with the police. Mm. And it's like the cop, you know, kind of feigned ignorance of that, and you know, they started chatting, and um, the guy in question, whose name I won't mention, okay, um, you know, asked the, you know, asked the Undercover cop, are you a cop? And he said no. And so they, uh, you know, said, Well, would you like to go someplace? And he said, Well, maybe you know, my car's around the corner. And they walked through the alley and and went to the car. And the the person who was ultimately arrested um, was about to get into the car, and the officers' partner came up behind him and started to arrest him hmm. and he just fought and in back
0: mo- and in most situations people would dream of that but you- <laughs> but he fought back i'm he sorry to interrupt that well yes.
2: and and there was in many cases unusual i've I've looked at you know from 57 to 59 over 3 years um, at the at the felony level where there are records and there are many people who are arrested who aren't in the record, who aren't recorded by history, Um, but the people who were arrested um, on soliciting, which usually on a second offense, um, just acquiesced and and pled guilty and paid the fine and wanted to walk away and and Hmm. not have it be part of their life. That sounds awful familiar, like
1: Larry Craig. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This guy fought
2: back and to the point of kicking the window out of the police cruiser. Wow. Wow. Holy moly! So how come that and how come that is not emblazoned
1: in our mind like Stonewall?
2: Because because it, it, it was Detroit. Spa- it was Detroit, and mm-hmm. it didn't spark huh. other uprising. I mean, nineteen fifty nine was very different politically and socially mm-hmm. than ten years later. We're coming at you know this is the height of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gotten to the Cuban Missile Crisis yet, mm. and Detroit, you know, is a big labor town, but it's also very socially conservative town. It's uh. very Catholic. So, you know, this is part of the mix. And then it's also a town that's, you know, in... There's much racial tension. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's concern about a spark of, of civil unrest in the late 50s. It's already there. Mm. It's already happening 10 years before what happens oh, in 1967. Wow. So, so was this also the time of Ruth Ellis and... and- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ruth Ellis um, was, for listeners who don't know, Ruth Ellis was a African-American lesbian who lived to be 101. Wow. And a beautiful 101. And 101 beautiful 101. And um, was the subject of a wonderful film, um, Living with Pride, Ruth Ellis at 100, by um, Yvonne Wilbin. I'm glad I'm remembering. You're things. doing great. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and Ruth Ellis... Um, is indicative of how gay and lesbian life, queer life, was segregated in Detroit. Um, many of the bars I mentioned were white gay bars. Mm-hmm. Um, there were also there was a notorious, fierce, um, tough lesbian bar called the Palais, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which was just down the block from the police headquarters. <laughs> um, but these these white bars went out of their way to exclude African Americans um, by wow. carding them or charging, mm. you know, admission, you know, carding three or four pieces of ID or charging an admission charge or just being overtly hostile and, and choosing not to serve. Right. Um, and I actually, on a side note, there was a um, incident in Flint, which I've also done research, where um, if African Americans came in in order to drink at the state bar when that customer would get up and leave the white customers at the bar would demand the bartender break the glass wow oh my gosh um so and that I mean that wasn't necessarily characteristic of Flint it's probably characteristic of a lot of tough working class bars um gay and straight from this time period um so Getting back to Ruth, I mean, so African-Americans were largely excluded from (coughs) queer-specific spaces, Uh but they would have commercial spaces, um, at least bars, but they would have house parties, rent parties, Mm -hmm. um, and this would be a place where they would meet. And Ruth and her partner, Babe, were famous from the 40s and 50s of hosting these parties and their home being a center of queer life for lesbians and gay men in the african-american community and this was deeply rooted still and with house balls exactly and, exactly
0: and these were one night's one night like situations where you stayed till 11 and you left you stayed for the entire weekend from my understanding oftentimes yeah, yeah. so it was you, people would, and people were ruth was well known for her parties for also
2: right and and in terms of um the arrests, i've been finding you know the the White queers, spaces that have been policed, were largely these bars, and they are policed in a certain way. In terms of queer spaces in the African-American community, those were spaces that are deeply integrated within the African-American community in Detroit at the time. There's a neighborhood um, called Black Bottom in Paradise Valley, and then this area where I'm finding all the arrests is just to the north of that. And mm. so people were arrested either on the street in a, um, and they give intersections as the location of where they arrest, or they're arrested like in their apartment building so they actually brought people home. Oh. So in most of these cases are also the cases, the, the same spaces where prostitutes uh, are being arrested. Mm. And it's 99% of the prostitute's arrest that reached the felony level in Detroit were African-Americans. So they're policing African-American space and African-American queers are being caught up in that. And that's one of the other vices that they're looking at. Oh my God. You know, in, in addition to numbers running and, and lots of, um, lots more marijuana and heroin than I would have expected. Right, um, at the time,
0: but and, and it's fascinating. so you're looking through basically just the the police blotters or what they've done. That even is what you're go, you're no, doing. These or? are
2: actually the the criminal court files that that oh, survive okay. um, at the Murphy Hall of Justice in downtown Detroit. Oh yeah. wow!
0: And and the, and that's interesting. So so and is there things that, that you found that were surprising? That besides obviously some, you know, resistance or um, I mean, is there in the the amount of drug use or whatever that.
2: Well, they're, they're, I don't want to mix up the... the right. The, the documentation doesn't necessarily mix oh, okay. the queers using drugs, but it's all the same city space. Oh, that, oh I the, see. The, the police are using whatever justification they can to police African Americans. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um, and that isn't surprising. They still do that today. Right. And this <laughs> And this
2: is also an area that by 1958 and 59 has already been mapped out uh, for demolition because that's where I-75 goes through in the mid-1960s. So, Tim, tell me about Prophet Jones. (laughs) Okay. So, Prophet Jones um, is another African-American leader, and this is interesting. Um, In the 1940s and 50s, um, Prophet Jones gained a national... Reputation. He is featured in Life magazine and Time magazine and and Saturday Evening Post, which, you know, at the at the time, these are major Absolutely. vehicles for the national media. Um, he had a radio broadcast on CKLW, um, and he purported to have six million followers. Um, but to get this kind of exposure was phenomenal, um, and he did it in part because of these predictions that he would make and in part because he was just outrageously flamboyant and and ostentatious. He gained this amazing amount of wealth. He bought a mansion on Arden Park um, that Aretha Franklin in her memoir mentions walking by his house on her way to school And every other month he would paint it a different color. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. I mean, that's showmanship. Absolutely. Um, It was a 54-room French (laughs) chateau-style mansion, apparently. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. And and there was always this undercurrent of innuendo about him. He had a male secretary. He had this entourage of princes that followed him.
0: And from the picture that I just saw on the website, he, he definitely had quite the outfits too. He had he had amazing <laughs> outfits.
2: A, a pair of spinster school teachers in Chicago bought him a thirteen thousand dollar full length white mink coat, which <laughs> he then would wear shopping in downtown Detroit. Wow! With his entourage. Oh my god! And he really did claim to be a prophet. He claimed right? to be a prophet. He he. Purport he one of his things that he claimed is he predicted the dropping of the atomic bomb huh. when he saw a puff of smoke rise from his dinner plate.
0: Wow! Now, whether this is
2: true, you never know. Interesting. Um, he had this reputation, and and he had a very working class following. Many of his followers were migrants from the south, as okay. part of the second Great Migration. Mm-hmm. Um, to find jobs in Detroit, which mm-hmm. were fast uh, booming, yeah, absolutely moving, and all our, yeah. squeezing people out, um, particularly African Americans. Um, the upscale or the the people who were working for uplift, the middle class African Americans who were beginning to strive for civil rights, really didn't like him being presented as the representative, uh-huh. hmm. and. um and so they actually petitioned and prevented... He was supposed to be on the Today program in 1955. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, when David Garraway was the host. And um, and they prevented him from doing that. He They ended up canceling the program. So what did he do? He ended up getting his own TV program <laughs> on WXYZ. So Which is he,
1: amazing. And he was... And he had to talk about race
2: lines again, like... All of these white people came in to see him, right? Exactly, exactly. In fact, um, fraternities at Michigan would meet once a week to watch him. Wow. Amazing. So then what happens is he's got this national reputation, there's this innuendo, um, and the police plant an undercover cop in his flock. Oh. He makes an indecent proposal to Officer John Henry in 1956, and the next day... He is arrested and blazoned on the front page of the Detroit Free Press as if World War III had started. Huh. Prophet Jones arrested on morals charge. And that was his downfall. That was his downfall. And suddenly he's no longer in the mainstream media. He becomes the big topic of the scandal press at the time. Ugh. So was he same-gender loving? Did he... Well, um, I mean, it was always talked about. He had some people in in the early 1950s try to extort money from him. So I did get, through the Freedom of Information Act, what FBI file existed about him. And he told the FBI that he had been arrested in Alabama on a morals charge. So he at least acted on it. And there are people around that informally, at least not... Quite on the record, will say that yes, you know, he'll like, give him a nod, as they would say. But right. he is—he's
1: stitched into Detroit's queer history, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. which is
2: amazing, you know. The, the, and it's and, fun. I mean, my partner and I um, will go around to use bookstores and record stores, and he had he had a '78 um, that he released and an LP, huh. um, and I just remember um, asking one clerk about it and. The clerk was just Prophet Jones. Oh my goodness! What do you want to look for him? For. <laughs> wow.
0: I mean, these are quite. I mean, they're very. You know, you. you I always thought of like people in the fifties were extremely closeted, and that there wouldn't be anybody going out, and especially like Prophet Jones out there with an entourage, and I mean, a house being painted fabulously every month. I mean, it just that they, they would you would want to become kept quiet. Certainly and, pushing and the envelope. Absolutely, yeah. and I mean I would expect that today, but not back then. And so that was I mean to have that much esteem of themselves, and and being able to, you know, be that out, if you will,
2: <laughs> that flamboyant, that
0: flamboyant. Thank you, uh-huh. and 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 how
2: and the, the ones, the ahead. ones that were, if, if, you know, at least this is what the record's showing. The ones that were, were either working class, you know, Uh or they were people of color.
0: Interesting.
2: Um, And the ones who were, like, white, middle class, they were going on to try to found, like, the first organization in Michigan, which was the Detroit Mattachine Society, Mm -hmm. Ah. which was started in August of 1958 by three Wayne State graduates Hal Lawson, David Brewer, and Jerry Moore. And they, they met in the, which hotel? The Fort Shelby that's Hotel. That's right, yeah, that's yeah, around. That's where they, um, they had their first meeting. They met with a representative of the National Mattachine Society, which was one of these first core groups called homophile groups. They, they ah. were kind of not wanting even to use the word homosexual at the time. Um, and to gain more social understanding and seek out experts to speak on our behalf mm. rather than speaking for ourselves. Um, so they made this effort. But in Detroit, it was short-lived. It, it, it lasted from August of um, 1958 until March of 1960. They, gotcha. they did have a newsletter. They, they were able to hold meetings. They, they touched the lives of maybe um two dozen people.
0: Absolutely. And so that means that there would have been like thirty that'd be like a thirty year anniversary. A fifty year a anniversary. A fifty year. Anniversary. I'm sorry, fifty year anniversary. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um
2: and one connection there from from the previous comment, I, I told the story about um the young man who fought back yes. The police. And he also had three friends who tried to intervene on his behalf. Oh nice. Um and they were all arrested. Well, the defense attorney who represented him was a guy named Milt Vonier, Uh who was a U of M law grad, and he also advised the three fellows who were starting the Detroit Mattachine about how to go about that without getting into too much trouble. Right. Because they were paranoid they used pseudonyms they yeah. thought the police were going to barge into their apartments mm-hmm.
0: well and as we were pointing out before the show that, that was also the time when they considered homosexuality as a mental illness and and so yeah there was a lot of things they could they could have done to come after folks absolutely
1: wow so so tim how do people where where can people go to just learn a little bit more about about detroit's queer history
2: there are um, there are a few articles the one, the one place that they could get to rather easily is a website called artifacts and disclosures um, Michigan's LGBT heritage which is was a project I was involved in um, with a group called the lavender information and Library Association uh-huh. at the University sure. It's mm-hmm. a group of school of information students and library staff um, and I believe the URL has changed, but if they do Michigan LGBT history, they can find the link. to Right. And it? it's called Artifacts and Disclosures. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's got um, both Detroit and um, history from around the state. Um, some going back, you know, depending on how we define the history of, of sexuality and gender um, back to the Civil War. So... Wow. Back Brilliant. to the Civil War. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and and you
1: know, just clicking through this timeline, there's still names that pop up that we know so well, like Gail Rubin, you know, forming the Radical Lesbians. and Right here in Ann Arbor. Right here in Ann Arbor, you know. So so wow.
0: there's so that means we're just going to have to have Tim back uh, another time to talk about further. Absolutely. We
1: have decades and decades to go. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Good right. thing he's
0: got frequent flyer miles. That's right. Because we got to talk about this stuff because it's on, on the shoulders of giants, right? We didn't even get to Ann Arbor. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, brilliant, Tim. Thank you so oh, much. So Absolutely. Great Our great guest been has been here. Tim
1: Metzloff, who's yes. uh,
0: a PhD student. Um, in history uh, at the uh, at Yale University. Thank you for thanks coming so all this way.
1: Great. And you're listening to WCBNFM FM in and Am- Ann Harbor. Closets are for closed, and we'll be right back.
0: Absolutely. Oh, thanks. Um, So, um, one of the things that we were learning uh, during the during the song was how the uh, the connection between Ann Arbor and Detroit is that the Detroit Police Department then started um, uh, actually started training the Ann Arbor Police um, as they were uh, cracking down here um, at the uh, University of Michigan. That
1: totally makes sense. I mean, they're all like related.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm not even surprised that they would. Um, that the, the situations that are going on in the rest areas and the parks and things were um, as we as the program was called bag of fag right um, how they were um, the, how they're all interrelated and how that was going on so um, I, I, I'm always fascinated uh, about what happened. But as you said, we're standing on the shoulders of folks who, who um, and I didn't who have gone before us. and uh-huh, gave me uh-huh. open the door for the next next group. Who but opened also the door like some for the of the same person. challenges,
1: right? How Absolutely. have things really changed all that much? Absolutely. And the answer is yes. You know, I often tell people it's sort of like. Um, you know when people leave and come back I always say things are absolutely the same and things are absolutely different.
0: Absolutely right exactly. I mean that was one of the things that Tim was even commenting on with the fact that uh, as we were walking into the building that he was like wow did you see the building change on this or the building changing on that mm-hmm. um, so there was little things that are different um, but yeah, we still have the same streets he knew where the SAB was he knew where the union was right, it right, was like right. he was like oh yeah I know exactly where all that those buildings are so there were things that same same struggles of, of, of just uh, expecting um, respect and, and and tolerating difference uh, hmm. and, and, and I think that that's that I, as they say that we can learn a lot about um, our mistakes by just looking at our history so we don't repeat them or learning about our history so we don't repeat the mistakes we've already made and um, uh, even though as, as sometimes I, t- I think it's really kind of funny. Is that I, as I talk to my mother about various issues, she's like, "Haven't we talked about that issue? About you yes, know, all the but it's arguments. still
1: pending. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's like you we're know? just
0: going to the next layer, mom. Of of and, and as we talk about sometimes that um, the as we deal with patriarchy, you know, is that we have. Um, that as we as we fight patriarchy, as we go along in in our work and things like this, we just keep working at it, and we're never really done with our work. Uh, we're never really done with the the um, the the opening of our eyes to what patriarchy has really done and the damage it's done to our community.
1: You know, and one of those places, uh, as athletics, right? Yeah. So so we're gonna get our next guest on the phone, Pat Griffin. Yes. Um, but right now, let's take another quick musical break. And you're listening to "Closets Are For Clothes" on WCBN FM and we what was that WCBN FM oh, oh, yeah. And that's right. we will be right back. are you? Hi, Pat. Are you there?
0: And she is... Oh. Hey, hey Pat. I I could use a different voice. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take another musical break. And... I a um...
1: And we're back. We are. I hope you like that new music. So that song was Preface by the Shanghai Restoration Project. Um, and it's just really chill. So, and,
0: and how did why did you choose that?
1: <coughs> it's just a chill song. Oh, it was nice. uh, new. It's new to me. So now it's new to you, my oh. friends. So, you know, talking to Tim um, about history, you got me thinking about um, Harvey Milk. Oh, yes. So you know that there's movies coming oh. out about him.
0: No, I didn't know that. There's actually... Two. Oh wow! Is Tom Cruise playing one of them? <laughs> he he <laughs> is. No,
1: no, he's not. He's not. So um, there's two uh, two directors. So Brian Singer was one director. Oh wow! And he directed X Men. Yes.
0: Um. Uh, now that's gonna be quite a show if, if he does like an X Men version no, of Harvey Milk. Oh okay.
1: And then uh, Gus Van Sand um, is also oh, I know him. doing one. Um. Yeah. It's really interesting because. Um, uh, Gus Van Sant, he, he like did my own private Idaho and uh, Goodwill Hunting.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, 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 and um, and I see that's the things I, I kind of like those, and it seems like the like Goodwill Hunting. It, it, I love those autobiographical type of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't autobiographical, but uh, autobiographical, biographical, biographical. Thank you, <laughs> exactly. Um, but just and uh, that I, I like those storytelling of like a person's life uh-huh, and the, uh-huh. the personal biopics, struggles. biopics. There you go. Thank you. But it's wow. very interesting. Is that something that you would use to like, with like a toothbrush, it's a bio you know, <laughs> to get rid of? So sorry. you know,
1: in the Gus Van Sant one, it's called milk, <laughs> and then the Brian Singer one is called the Mayor of Castro
0: Street. Um, so um, interesting. And are they being released around the same time, well, or is one like a documentary versus? I, I
1: don't know. The Gus Van Sant one is it's you know they they uh, totally like uh, redid Castro. Like wow. just how it was,
0: you know. Oh, um, that'd be fast. That's fascinating to me. I mean, yeah. you know, just like going to the Michigan Theater. To, I'm going to be going to the Michigan Theater tonight, and just how they've redone the Michigan Theater, how it used to look at you know, all that stuff. Right. I just, I, I would love that to see what it was like when you know in the '70s or '60s, mm-hmm. and and to see what the. What the shops were like and the theaters were like, and you know the because isn't isn't Castro that was the that was the name of the street or was it the name of the the theater that was there Uh, because it's like. Both of them, okay, because right. it was like mm-hmm. because it was just like the Michigan Theater that we have downtown Ann Arbor, right? You know that it was known as Michigan Theater because it was the you know, but it's on Liberty where mm-hmm. I didn't know if it just we changed the name to Castro. Well,
1: you know what I love about the so I'm, I'm very excited with the movie. They just wrapped fil- filming apparently, and mm-hmm. so um Harvey Milk is being played by Sean Penn. Nice, yeah. And um did you see the movie Into the Wild? It's about this kid who like. Gets rid of all his stuff and goes to Alaska. Oh yes, yes, yes. I anyway, did see that. so Emil Hirsch is—he yes. plays Cleve Jones. So Cleve Jones is the original founder of the AIDS Quilt. Wow, who's still alive.
0: Wow! So
1: it's just it's amazing, and I love that all of these like mainstream actors. Yes. Like this is great. Like this is. I hope it's a commercial success. I hope it's amazing. It will be amazing. I've seen some of the screenshots of of Sean Penn as Harvey Milk, and it's it's. it's well, uncanny. he does
0: look. Yeah, I was gonna say he when you said Sean Penn, I was thinking, oh yeah, absolutely with the. The hair of that style and the and his whole look, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Sean Penn, I could definitely see. And it's
1: great because I'm, uh, you know, the uh, the other screenshots, like all the extras are dressed like, <laughs> and some of these, and what I like think the, is
0: uh,
1: right, like they're like
0: village people. It's true, and
1: you know, and you know how they say styles like recycle themselves. Yes, like some of the people, I'm sort of like, are they an extra or are they a college student? <laughs> so it was very interesting. They just the, the final scene that they just shot was the candlelight march. That, oh. um, that 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 happened
0: right after he was murdered. See, and one was that that was back in 1978. 78, is when 78. Died. Mm-hmm. and so I mean, I just. I mean, just to think about, like, and that's the other thing I think about is like, okay, in 1978, to have that much chutzpah, to be able to be out there, be out running for office, Mm -hmm. a a powerful position, you know, a political position, and to be able to say, no, this is who I am, and this is how I'm running, and Mm. these are my issues. Absolutely. And, and, um, I mean, that's why I give a lot of kudos to people that, (laughs) Were out during the time when it was not fashionable,
1: it's true, and, and you know, I think that part of that legacy is being carried on, like with Gavin Newsom, who's not gay but who's really hot. Yes. and um, <laughs> so there was a little bit of uh, there was a little bit of speculation whether everyone in the studio is shaking their head at me.
0: <laughs> the connection was just perfect. I'm sorry, yes, w- what they're they were whatever, uh, yes,
1: uh, anyway, so um. <laughs> He is.
0: He, no, we're not doubting that he's not hot. I mean, th- th- he's definitely hot. There's no question. He,
1: he looks like Christian Bale.
0: Right. And how does that link to... Um, well, if you on. would let me... Oh, please. Go ahead. Please. So
1: they were saying... Right? Right? Yeah. Okay. Now everyone's looking. This is him. And who's like him? Christian who's... Bale. Gavin Newsom looks okay. like Christian Bale. Anyway. Got it. So Gavin Newsom, they're talking about whether or not he's going to run for governor.
0: Really, yeah, because
1: so he um m- started to marry uh gay couples, oh, like, which yes. is totally against the state constitution that's right and, and all this other stuff, so he's totally gay rights nice so um and that would be very interesting, and that's how Arnold, he's continuing yeah. the legacy there ah, okay?
0: there you go, okay,, <laughs> exactly. and how that related to being hot, I totally see the link now, you know why absolutely I don't I make get the it.
1: news, I just reported it. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I I don't even report it correctly. But
0: I thought we reported early something about Timberlake. That's right. This uh, in, Gavin Newsom's hot. Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, But
0: I think that that's exactly it. It's just it's it's like that legacy. He's still continuing that. that, Like you were talking about is like okay. So Harvey Milk was the first one to open the doors to allow people to run for office or to be able to talk about Mm -hmm. politically Mm -hmm. gay issues in the city of San Francisco. Um, And then now we're looking at so many years later. What thirty years later? Do I do my math right again? Thirty years later 78 2008 yes 30 years later that now we're we're discussing about the the marrying of gay couples that's um, true right and and how interesting of like would um harvey milk ran for governor if he would have if they would (sighs) have not have murdered him amazing you know and i think that that's what's you know fascinating about you know like if these people actually survived you know if, if john f kennedy survived what would what would our country be like Hmm. You know, or Abraham Lincoln, what would have happened next? You know, um, it's, I th- I'm just fascinated with the, the doors that have been opened for me, or at least the, the key got put in. You right. know, I You know, I'm, it's maybe,
1: fun, you know, they were I heard we were listening to the radio the other day and they were talking about time machines. It was like where would you go? Like
0: Oh yeah.
1: And so one I guy have called so in so many choices, yeah. So one guy called in and was like, Oh, I would totally wanna be one of the assistant scientists who, who worked on the atomic bomb.
0: Wow, I didn't go there. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of being a wrestler during uh, the Olympics at the Greek. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Greek.
1: right. <laughs> you were thinking about being on Cher's first yeah. farewell tour. <laughs> yes, back
0: in 1970. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, Pretty absolutely. Much. Yeah, much. being one of the dancers. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh. but
1: so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I would be. I want to hop around a little bit, I think.
0: I, that's the thing. There's so many different places that I would want to go and so many things that I would want to would have, want to have wit- witnessed. Wow, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean, just to be a part of that time. I mean, sometimes I, you think about that like now. Like, what is it so that I'm i would being want, a part of? I
1: would want to be, um, if I were to pick a moment in time in, in queer history, I think I would want to be one of... Uh, the trans folk or crossdressers or drag queens who fought against the police oh, yeah. and stonewall because can you imagine because girl i'm gonna have these sequin red heels and i'm 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 chasing a cop down, down. And the
0: decision that you'd have to make is okay. like do i wreck these heels uh you know that i just pay $200 or do, for? do i
1: do i take my <laughs> earrings off first yes or, uh, exactly. or who will hold my hair right <laughs>
0: Exactly. These are life-changing Absolutely.
1: decisions. Absolutely. And
0: did I sharpen my nails before I put them okay, on? Okay, so you know? say what? Absolutely. Okay, so think people,
1: the more you know. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that that's I mean, I think that we don't think about that stuff. I mean, what what kind of decisions were they making, you uh-huh, know? Uh-huh. And and what kind of experiences were you th- would you uh, have been interested in getting from that? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of like, what was it like when the spark went off? You mm-hmm. know, what mm-hmm. was it like? I mean, I, that's one of the things I'm fascinated with, like, Jim Toy. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talks about, yeah, the spark went off in, in New York in 1969. Well, we were already doing that work here in Ann Arbor mm-hmm. with when did the LGBTA office open? 71. 71. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you know, part of the story. When did WCBN go on the air? 71, I thought, right? Maybe 73. Oh, earlier? Well, well actually, 1940, I think, is when we... <laughs> re- no, seriously, 1940, if I looked at the history, we were... I thought we did radio way back then. It was after the war. It was after the war. Got it. Okay. You know, so, but I thought... <laughs> well, but WCBN has been around a long time, but you're right. I mean, can you imagine what it was like when they... Started that when right. Jim Toy actually said because if we
1: think about so like people even now are scared to to be out and loud right yeah. so think about yes way back when yes so think about that people when you, you well I think
0: that, that's exa- like as out as I am now I mean people yell at me friends of mine yell at me because I don't have a rainbow sticker on my on my car mm-hmm. and I'm like you know what people I want one at least one spot where people don't know. Or don't suspect that I'm gay. Now, some people would be like, they just look at you at the end. And, okay. You know, they they, yeah, should, yeah, well, exactly. you shouldn't drive
1: that pink Cadillac. Well, you know,
0: but it goes with my color. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: Your horn shouldn't be Gloria Stefan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That'd be fabulous. <laughs> so, but I think that that's where, you know, it's like the one spot, you know, like how out do I need to be? But at the same time, part of me, I have to admit, there is a little fear mm-hmm. of being on the road, and somebody having a bad day and taking it out on me and my little car. So
1: I got to tell you my friends and I for Memorial Day um, are planning a big gay road trip.
0: Nice, too.
1: Um, um we're going to pick some really obscure places in the Midwest and wow. and find if they have a gay bar.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So it's, you know, I'm going to chronicle it.
0: Please do. <laughs> Seriously, you really should because it's I It's going to be like
1: The Blair Witch versus Two Wong Fu
0: versus Shares farewell shares Tour. Shares farewell tour. Yes, exactly. Four. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean because a friend of mine and I did that. And we had gotten like the sweetest surprise. Really? Absolutely. We went to somewhere in Pennsylvania. It was close to Pittsburgh, I think it was. And we found this hole in the wall. We're like, is there like is there an LGBT you know, bar or whatever? And they were like, oh honey, well, you gotta do the following things to get there. <laughs> Seriously. It was one of those like you really have to be able to find it and you have to go through a couple doors, yada yada yada. Amazing. And we got there and the people they were like You're from out of town, and they were like, "Well, what is it like there in Michigan?" (gasps) I mean, they were so interested in like you're out, you know. It was oh, that's both funny and sad. Oh, absolutely. So there's five
1: of us going in this trip when we're getting an RV.
0: You're gonna love it. I'm. I'm, Oh, (laughs) it's gonna be ridiculous. I'm pretty
1: sure. Like. I have to make sure my affairs are in order. Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Because then there's other spots. Like for instance, like there was a, a different friend that we went and we like pulled up to a tr- truck stop and didn't even think where we were. Yeah. Got in, walked a... in, and went. Oh Oops. my god! Like <laughs> pee quickly and get out. I mean, we were terrified. Yeah. We, we actually shut the doors, locked, and said, oh, "Why is not the engine still running?" I mean, it was <laughs> one of those get out now because it was scary. In Amazing because they see but... me
1: sashay in with my pink my pink <laughs> fanny pack.
0: Well now are you gonna provoke them? I mean Um,
1: I'm not provoking anyone by living my life.
0: But Snap. Well, absolutely. <laughs> You're thank you very much. But I think at the same time But are you doing it to get a reaction or are you doing it? I mean, that's the other thing. I
1: think it'll depend, yeah. right? I think it'll depend. Because I was in
0: Jackson. I went to a um, Mardi Gras and happened to have my beads on and didn't even think about it. And I go, oh, you know, I'm thirsty. So I stopped at the truck stop, didn't even think that's about right, it. That's right.
1: And you took your beads off.
0: And I took my beads off because I realized what, happened, what, what was going on because people were staring and it was getting uncomfortable. And I, you know, made a little joke and got myself out of there. But it was, I realized like, oh, I maybe there's some places that I shouldn't be as... I should be provoking, hmm. not to say to blame the victim. I don't want to play to say blame the victim, but I don't there know. is also we'll talk
1: about this provocation. Thing. Absolutely, I don't think, it's, uh, I don't think it, it holds for me. So,
0: but so... I, but at the same time, when do we when do we start provoking to create a difference, and when do we? Um, and say you know what you need to deal with this, and I'm gonna by by me being who I am, it's gonna change your mind. Because mm-hmm. there's just gonna be some people we just will never change their mind, and mm. I'm you know I'm willing to spend more time on those that are what we call the gray matter, the gray in between, the people that are in between everybody. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely so brilliant
1: so next week
0: oh my gosh we have a full week. we have a full week oh my gosh we have a movie um, uh that we're, we're going to talk about?
1: about the oscar award um winning short documentary free held yes um and we'll also talk with our friends uh jan and susan from between lines fantastic brilliant so this is closets for clothes and, and we'll, we'll see, you, see you next week absolutely Thanks for listening to Closets Are For Closed every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor 88.3.
0: You can contact us by calling 734-763-3500 or writing to 530-SAB, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48109.
1: And don't forget our new email address, Closets at gmail.com.
0: The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the speaker and are not the opinions of WCBN or their life and sees the regions of the University of Michigan.
1: For Dan Burns and engineer Alex Belhaj, I'm Gabe Javier. Remember, be yourself because you don't get to be anyone else.